0: Hi, I'm Amy Porter. Some of you know me as a flutist and a classical musician, others as a professor, and some of you know me as a publisher and arranger. I'm a stepmom, I'm a business owner, and I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits, and this is my podcast. My core mission as an entrepreneur is to appreciate what I have around me, and then I try and see as clearly as possible how I can help. So let's talk, let's share information, let's laugh and sometimes cry over the things that we have to work through in life and in music, in business and family and relationships. Come on into my Porter Flute pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod, episode 19, Go Blue Flutes, grad edition. We're going to promote the University of Michigan Flute Studio and grad students. With us in the podcast are co-producers Alan J. Tomasetti and Justine Sedke, a recent grad with her master's, also with us, Jordan Smith, getting a specialist degree in flute performance, that's a postmaster's. Ellie Detmer is here. She finished her first year as a master's student. And Ryan Custerer is here, 2020 graduate, member of the U.S. Army Reserve, and the person I dedicated this podcast to when I premiered it in April. He served for the National Guard for a couple of months during the beginning of Michigan's lockdown. I'm featuring this march he sent to me. It's called Lord Binning March he's practicing it for an audition. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Did you know that I dedicated the podcast to you? Did I text you that?
1: Yes, you did. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. Well, I really wanted you to be safe and you were on my mind that very day. So can you tell me what happens in the life of a U.S. Army Reserve person. It, it, it was part of how you came to Michigan, correct?
1: Yes, it, it certainly is. So with the United States Army Reserve or the National Guard, it is a part-time military occupation. So you only work one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer. Uh, Towards the end of my sophomore year, I was kind of wondering, like, what is it that I want to do after I graduate? You know, what are the different careers that I could potentially pursue? And so I was looking at uh, the reserves and thought, you know, I'd get my feet a little bit wet and see if this is something I could see myself having a career in. So then I took a semester off school, went through basic training and went to uh, the Army School of Music for 10 weeks and absolutely loved it. And if it wasn't for joining that, I wouldn't have been able to have the numerous hours available to me to practice because I only had to work one weekend a month in undergrad. Uh, so it gave me plenty of time to practice, plenty of time to prepare for graduate school auditions. And so then whenever I was going around for my graduate school auditions, um, I was looking at you know which units I could transfer into because if you transfer in, depending on which state your school is, each state has different levels of funding for the National Guard for schooling. So whenever I uh, looked at Michigan, they had enough of a scholarship to where I would have been able to have afford, afforded going to Michigan. And so if it wasn't for me already being in the military, already being aware of what scholarships to look for, um, it, I wouldn't have been able to come here.
0: I'm always saying that I don't want grad students to go into debt uh, over their master's degree. Uh, Go ahead and save up work, you know, and if it's worth it, um, try for that scholarship again. If you don't get it, you can also study with the teacher on the side if the master's degree isn't as important to you, Mm -hmm. Um, which leads me to the question that I've been asking a lot. Did you find it was important to receive a master's degree uh, to be where you are now? Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. The, the, it it was something that I actually debated myself after uh, I was looking at which schools and which uh, school I decided upon, which was Michigan. I was going back and forth of like, you know, like, do I want to take just lessons? Do I want to move up there and just take lessons with you? Or uh, do I want to go through it and get the degree as well? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that you, it's very difficult to, be a musician, to have a music-related career if you don't have the documentation to back it up. You can say I studied with so-and-so, but it, it's that piece of paper that kind of tells you that I. this is kind of like some physical proof that I put in hard work before and I can continue to put in hard work.
0: So in your master's program, uh, did you find that the job interfered with the degree at all?
1: For the most part, I didn't really have too many complications with uh, being in the National Guard up in Michigan and pursuing my master's. There was just a few instances where uh, the National Guard, you know, sent me a message on like Wednesday and said, hey, we had to switch our drill weekend last minute. This doesn't usually happen. Uh, You have to show up this weekend and it could be the weekend of, say, a performance or there was a dress rehearsal that I would have to last minute leave and go do. The the wonderful thing is that uh, the professors were very understanding and you were more than helpful because you actually subbed in for me on one of those dress rehearsals and having professors and colleagues that are understanding that when it comes to being in the National Guard or the reserves, that there can be some last minute changes and they certainly don't hold that against you.
0: I certainly wasn't going to argue with the u s government you're bo- <laughs> and then you got a phone call mm hmm phone call from Uncle Sam <laughs> Tell me about that phone call, and then you had to call me.
1: Yes, so what happened was like, mid March or so, I got a phone call saying that you know, the National Guard is in need of soldiers to aid in this coronavirus relief. because at the time it it, it was at its peak at that, it was getting ready to be at its peak at that point. So we didn't really have too much of an idea of what all was uh, needing to be done. All they knew is that they needed bodies to help out with the relief effort. So at first, uh, whenever I got the notification of like, hey, we need you, you have to come and help us out. I immediately let you know, I let all my professors know, and everybody was really understanding of the whole thing. And then there was some paperwork backup, and I actually delayed my start for almost two weeks. And so then I believe it was April 6th uh, was whenever I finally left to Grand Rapids to work in a food pantry at Feeding America in Grand Rapids. With Feeding America, the bulk of our work was working in the warehouse of the food pantry. So it was going back into the warehouse and pulling out bulk items to be sent out to other uh, food distribution sites. We packaged you know like frozen meats. We packaged cereal, we packaged applesauce. We put all kinds of stuff together. We did pop tarts, like an endless amount of pop tarts. Um, just repackaging them, making sure that the food was safe, you know, like the seals weren't broken on any of them. Um, And another portion of what we did was we actually went out to some food distribution uh, sites. And so we would go out and spend a couple hours or a few hours depending on how much food we had and would put that food in people's cars. And whenever we would roll up, it was just this endless line, you know, we, at the end of the day, we, uh, provided food to, I think of like two to 250 homes, 250 families. And, uh, it was it, it was an incredibly humbling experience knowing that, uh, being called away from school and from my last semester of, uh, college to go and help these people in need.
0: Tell me about what it was like to play Daphnis and Chloe.
1: Oh man. I've always had, uh, this kind of thought in my head or this dream of like, you know, one of the few pieces I want to have played before I graduate from college and I'm done with academia for a while is to play Daphnis and Chloe. And then, uh, It just so happened that I got to play the the piccolo part in Daphnis and Chloe, which was just such an amazing experience. And uh, it also just so happened with coronavirus that it ended up being one of the the last piece that I played for uh, my master's. So it was kind of interesting how it, it happened that way. Uh, but it it was definitely worth that experience.
0: You got to play principal in Daphnis and Chloe. So you, you, you are such a solid player in orchestra. And at this point, uh, you had to audition for the solo and you won. So what did it feel like in, you know, in, at this point in the master's degree, your first year of a master's degree, you, you're playing Daphnis and you know you won it, right? There's someone else who's playing a concerto at the same time. They could have won it. What did it feel like to win that audition and to play principal flute in the Ravel?
2: I was just amazing. There's no other word to just, just so incredible, so rewarding, fulfilling. And just the fact that I got to play next to these three amazing people and flute players, uh, and they were so supportive and proud of me. was just, it was incredible. And, um, yeah, it was a, doctoral student a senior and a second year master's I just felt like I was fighting against losing odds like there was just no no way but I sat down I did the research I played with recordings I listened to a ton of recordings I asked around what the maestro likes in the solo because everyone has he was the one listening to the audition and would you know essentially picking who he wanted um but I mean, just the best part was how supportive everyone else was in the section. And my flute broke that night, which was terrifying. Um, the G key was something fell out, and it just was not was not working. And then, you know, within minutes, they were all like, "Play my flute! Play my flute! Play my flute!" And um, I, I just, I'm so blessed to be a part of that, and I will cherish that night forever.
0: So, what happened?
2: Our doctoral student, Maria, is a genius, amazing human. Um, One of the stagehands ran out to get glue, and she glued a piece of paper back where it was supposed to be, and it fixed it right in the nick of time. Unbelievable.
0: You know, it's been a very popular question. Do you need a master's as a performance major? So I want to ask you that question. Do you think? people need a masters
2: um i you know it's i think it depends on the person and i think you have to know if you need a masters and that's more the important question because i think a lot of undergrads are like oh i just i'm in my senior year the next step is masters and they don't get the most out of it because they're not in that mind space to you know work to achieve the masters level if that makes sense um It's not just the next things. It should be because you want to achieve something from it, not just because you don't know what to do for the next two years. So I, for me, I thought it was necessary as I knew I still need to work on X, Y, Z in my playing, Um, and you know these two years at the University of Michigan are exactly what I need for that.
0: Allie, tell me what X, Y, Z is for you.
2: Um. Well, I confidence in my playing was number one I just I I felt like I needed more just facility and kind of everything um I'd made a lot of progress my last couple years in um in my undergrad on just sound production and my vibrato was I thought <laughs> a mess but it, just working on that and then uh, I also, I doubled with music ed in my undergrad, so I was juggling a lot, and I just needed the time to focus on the one thing and see that through for two years before kind of diving out into the real world, quote-unquote.
0: This year, in your holding pattern, flute-related, like totally um, geeked-out, fluty goal. What's that?
2: I don't know if this counts, but just recently... Uh, working on style and just my knowledge of composers and time periods and how does the flute tie into each piece or like each orchestral excerpt it's not just I sound pretty right now but like what what was the flute doing then and how how does it fit in what's the right kind of sound what's the color that were that was used back then Um, just yeah that is that geeky enough
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. knowledge is power Allie (laughs) Absolutely. Gotta read a lot of books.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now's the time.
0: Now's the time in the holding pattern. So yeah, I, I'm just so proud of you. And I'm so looking forward to teaching online. Um you know, and just sharing all this time. Now I'll just also remind you that you have to record your exercises, your etudes, your excerpts, and your major works. Are you looking forward to that?
2: Yes. I think I'm underestimating how much time that's going to be. Um, but I think that's a fantastic idea for how to adapt to what we need. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to recording. And I think, you know, a recording devices, your best teacher personally, if you can't work one-on-one with someone. So just even listening, listening back myself um, before talking to you is going to be really valuable.
0: Do you feel that you have a better view of the future and where this can bring you, you know, you're slightly older and now with a master's moving forward, um, auditions aren't readily prevalent. Their um, degree programs are up in the air. Um, How are you going to lead us forward with your, with your talent?
2: I'm kind of in a wait and see stage right now, but not. Not like actively waiting, you know, doing things in the waiting, um, but also setting myself up for other opportunities that come until the waiting period is over. So te- taking teaching jobs now, um, you know, I don't like to be a no person. I, you, if an opportunity comes and you have the time and that you have the ability, say yes, take it now. You don't know where that track's going to lead you. Um, and you know, we we look at our lives through like a little keyhole. And you just see the one, you know, what you think, but there's so much on the horizon uh, that you don't know. So, yeah, not not pigeonholing yourself, I think, is going to be really vital to a lot of people right now in these uncertain times.
0: Very well put. So, Jordan, tell us your story of how you came to Michigan and what it felt like to be transferring. I mean, I'm not usually um, attracted to transfers. If you, yeah, oh, that's I, a- remember, I
3: remember. I remember
0: you telling me that in like our very first lesson.
3: You're like, I'm not really sure about transfers because what if you want to transfer somewhere else? So, um, <clears throat> so I grew up in a small rural town, um, like Southwest Michigan, south of Battle Creek. And I went to um, Union City High School is what it was. And the program was, music program was um, quite small. And so I had to like search other venues and other cities for lessons and performance opportunities. So I got to play in the Battle Creek Youth Orchestra. And I actually got to play with the Battle Creek Orchestra too um, for a concert. Um, It was like a side by side concert that was fun. And then uh, undergrad, I went to Central Michigan University and I only auditioned there because I didn't know if I wanted to go into music. I I wanted to go into uh, medical school actually, (laughs) which is so um, not me really. And um, so I only auditioned at Central Michigan University because I really wanted to be in marching band. I thought their marching band was like so cool. I, had, I did not have any marching band experience like that ever. And so that's what uh, drew me there. And my whole time at Central was, I, I very much needed it because it was competitive, but not super competitive. And I, at the time when I first started, flute was sort of a hobby. I didn't really know if I could make it into a career. So I really just didn't know what I wanted to do. My time at Central was great. I learned a lot. My teacher there really pushed me. She really believed in me. And then um, towards the end of my career at, C- at Central, I was looking in for grad schools. And I didn't really know where I wanted to go. I just was sort of auditioning at where my friends were auditioning. And I I just wasn't, I didn't do enough research. I didn't educate myself enough um, on grad school and how much um, it's really reliant on the person you wanna study with because I feel like that relationship in the master's program is very, um, very, very important. Um, Because you have academics, of course, but like practicing, I think you have so much more time to find your voice um, in your master's because you have so much time for um, practicing. Um, So I ended up at uh, New Mexico. The teacher was really great, Valerie Potter. She's a really good teacher. Definitely what I needed next, the next level. As time went on, I just was like, noticing the program was not challenging me as a musician and as a student like I wanted. And so my first year, I sort of was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing and I had um, my friend who was in New Mexico and is currently here and my roommate. He was auditioning at Michigan for his master's. And I was like, well, I've always admired Amy Porter and I've always looked up to her, but I just never thought I was good enough to get in. (laughs) Um, But for some reason, there was something in me that was like, you need to apply you need to do this you need to reach out to her and so i did it (laughs) and um i asked i actually asked my parents if i for my christmas present if i could get a lesson and that was my christmas present (laughs) the best one i ever had and i remember actually meeting you my very the very first day uh on that lesson day and it was i was so stressed out and i remember you playing parts of you for me. And I remember just like smiling and trying to hide it because I was like, whoa, this is, she's right in front of me. This is crazy. This is so inspiring. <laughs> this is what I want to sound like. I want to do exactly what she does. And yeah, so um, I got to meet you and then
2: I think,
3: oh, then I got a live audition I went to your recital at the live audition and we got to talk more and
0: So yeah. what did that feel like for to trust me? Because you know, here I was only a YouTube video and your friend was coming to Michigan and you're like, yeah, I'm not good at this. To I actually listened. I found a reason to listen. You were quite compelling. Tell tell people about you. Jordan, you just don't stop. You don't take no for an answer.
3: I just I needed I just needed to be at Michigan. And I told myself, if you want flute to be your career, you have to be at Michigan right And so I practiced so hard, so hard. <laughs> Probably the hardest I've ever practiced. <laughs> and I remember, I, I think in your audition requirements, you require a memorized piece, correct?
0: Yes, I also recommend practicing smart. Yes,
3: yes. And I will say I probably didn't practice smart, but I just practiced very hard and very long. Um, because I'm actually going back to the um the audition requirement, I'm not really good at memorizing. And so that was like my biggest, biggest um hurdle I had to jump. So I remember just running it constantly for people. I think I did the ooh fantasy or something. And I think you asked for maybe like the last the ending of the U, and I was like, really? I did all this, by the audition time, you get like what, 15 minutes, 10 minutes with each other. But I remember I, during the live audition, I was like, you have to play your heart out. You have to sing, you have to present yourself in a way that makes you stand out from everyone else um, in the three days that people are auditioning because you get like 80 people to audition for you every year, which is insane.
0: I know what makes this postmasters so special?
3: Uh, I thought the masters wasn't long enough for me, and I wanted more time with you, so I remember just like letting it all out to you, saying that I want to audition for you again, I want more time and after I, I had graduated a semester early, I remember now and I had a full-time job lined up right after that an office job. <laughs> so I had an 8 to 4:30 office job from January to August and it was in a it was um in the medical school and I had, was an assistant to 12 doctors and it was like surgeons, researchers um and it was a nice change of pace at first cuz at that time I went through high school. I went through undergrad right into my master's in New Mexico and then right into the masters at Michigan and towards the end of my master's here at Michigan. I was, just, I think it was getting a little worn out of the school. And it was so it was a nice change at first. And then I, it was like halfway through, I call my run <laughs> uh, My job and I was like, I can't do this. I cannot sit in an office all day, Monday through Friday. It's just not me. And it really, really motivated me to get back at flute and to study more. Um, Because I I absolutely miss playing the flute every day. Because I I would go to work at eight in the morning, eight in the morning and end at 4.30. I would be exhausted just being on a computer all day. So I didn't want to practice. It wasn't fun. I was just exhausted all the time.
0: I worked in a law firm for one week and got the flu. (laughs) I knew that I couldn't possibly do a nine-to-five job. I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
3: It's just exhausting. But I had the uh, specialist audition coming up, so that also motivated me to really get into gear, too, again. And it, it was just absolutely crazy to me not playing flute every day and it it pushed me to love to fall back in love with flute and music making because I and I'm not worn out anymore like having that experience uh, from January to August I will never ever not play the flute or do music I I cannot do it. it it's like in me there's something I would just be broken something would be missing as like cheesy as that is or cliche but like I'm not kidding there was something missing. And I was not saying that I was depressed because I wasn't, but there, I was definitely in a different mindset and I did not like it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, and I was, you were still inviting me to go to studio classes every week. And I still made, I still made time for that, which really helped. And I got to see all my friends, I got to see you and which I'm very thankful for, always.
0: So what is so much fun about inheriting the John Wommer Library from your perspective of the student who gets to go into a box with gloves on pulling out the oldest piece of music you've ever oldest. right. And hold it in your hands and see either that it was written by hand or it's the first edition or it's the copy signed by the composer. Tell us what it's like to go through the John Wummer library as uh, my assistant.
3: It's honestly history. We're like, we're literally touching history and it's, it's sort of an out-of-body experience sometimes because I remember it was like you, me, and I think Caitlin Jones when we first got it and we were looking through the files and you pulled out Eldon Burton's Concerto. And we were just like freaking out. We were screaming, jumping around like, this is not real. Like, what is happening? And <laughs> like, what? Because it was handwritten. Handwritten. For his address was on it too do you remember yes <laughs> like the rehearsal was at his house i think and his address was on it and it, it was incredible to see because he's such a perfect composer for us and such he's um he wrote it for your teacher not the concerto but the sonata um so it's like a family tree thing in a way yeah but seeing um it's incredible to see uh pieces that are played now say like chandelinos and seeing the additions back then and how they thought because i actually have one of his old ones his version his score of chandelinos right now and how the interpretations are so different like they he took a lot of breaths and you can see all the different um, breath marks he used a lot of fake fingerings which i was like i don't think i would do that now and i just think like the talent just has gone up through, um, the ages. If that makes sense.
0: So what is your plan for your future in terms of COVID related activities? Are you going to just fight the fight for the future of classical music and keep auditioning and and keep playing and keep teaching and just keep everything vital?
3: Absolutely. Um, I'm still teaching, uh, my students right now via Zoom, and right now there's just really no, there are no auditions that I know of, except um, I know that the United States Fife and Drum Corps. I think they have, they're like the only one right now. I'm gonna take DMA auditions this year. I don't know how those are gonna go. I don't know if they're gonna be in person <laughs> over Zoom, um, but I'm still I'm still sticking to it. I have to. If not, I'll just fall in a rut and become really lazy and just watch Netflix all day. And then I had bills to pay. and
0: <laughs> It's your way, Jordan. It's your way. It's determined. It's, it's thankful. And it's, you know, nose to the grindstone. I'm just, listen, I, you inspire me. Oh, no I, so I want to thank you for being my graduate student instructor and, that means uh, teaching assistant. That means right hand. That means translator. That means um, wet rag, dry rag. Like if I have to cry or I have to sneeze or whatever, like you're just always there for me. And so you've just given me so much leadership and um, made my job easy. And I I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: And thank you for giving me the chance to do all this for you. And Being in the studio, I absolutely am so grateful to be in the studio. The people and you in the studio are just, we are just such a family. And it's a very, very special place to be.
0: It's such a joy to be a mentor to these wonderful young adults. I encourage all of you... If you're in an undergraduate experience and you see the future of the flute, by all means, consider a master's degree. Consider saving up for it. Consider scholarships and foundations and asking relatives. Just try and get to the school in any way possible. I want to thank Ryan and Allie and Jordan for being at the University of Michigan, for being in my life and my students' lives. They are an inspiration to all of us. Join us next time for our podcast called Friendcast. You're going to meet my friends, Erin and Ann from Rodan and Fields and Stella and Dot. They found me and I went to work. You can find more about me at amyporter.com or porterflute.com. On Facebook, I'm Amy Porter Flutist. And on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, I'm Porter Flute. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you.